Have you ever heard of early Hollywood producer Thomas Ince? In November 1924, he died suddenly in the Spanish mission-style dream home he had built in Benedict Canyon. The night before, he had been the guest of honor at newspaper mogul William Randolph Hearst's yacht. But immediately after his death, there were rumors of something far more sinister. Did Thomas Ince die of natural causes, or was he murdered? Welcome to Nightmare Houses. Thomas Harper Ince was born on November 16, 1880, in Newport, Rhode Island, to English immigrants John E. and Emma Ince. John Ince worked as an actor and musical agent, while his mother and the rest of the family worked as actors. Ince made his Broadway debut at 15 in a small role in Shore Acres. As a child, he appeared with several stock companies and was later an office boy. He later formed an unsuccessful vaudeville company known as Thomas H. Ince and his comedians in Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey. In 1907, Ince met actress Eleanor Nell Kershaw and they were soon married and two children followed. Ince's directing career began in 1910 through a chance encounter in New York City with an employee from his old acting troupe, William S. Hart. Ince found his first film work as an actor for the Biograph Company, directed by D.W. Griffith. Griffith was impressed enough with Ince to hire him as a production coordinator at Biograph. This job led to more work coordinating productions at Carl Lemley's independent motion pictures company, IMP. Ince impressed Lemley, who sent him to Cuba to make one real shorts with new stars Mary Pickford and Owen Moore. Ince was sent to Cuba because it was out of the reach of Thomas Edison's motion picture patents company, the trust attempting to crush all independent production companies and corner the market on film production. Although Ince tackled many different subjects, he favored Western and American Civil War dramas. Eventually, with his growing career, Thomas Ince decided to move to California. After only a year with Lemley's independent motion picture company, Ince quit. In September 1911, Ince walked into the offices of actor-financier Charles O. Bauman, who co-owned the New York Motion Picture Company with actor-writer Adam Kessel Jr. Ince discovered that the company had recently established a West Coast studio named Bison Studios in Edendale, present-day Echo Park, to make westerns, and he was interested in directing those films. Ince was innovative and quickly took partner at the prestige studio Triangle Films and worked alongside notable filmmakers like D.W. Griffith. Ince created the assembly line creation of film products and established the name Thomas Ince as a brand signifying quality in film production during his time with Triangle. An industry leader after only eight years in the business, Ince soon established a state-of-the-art studio in Culver City in 1918. He founded Thomas H. Ince Studios the following year and the filmmaker continued to be successful. In 1921, Thomas Ince started creating the home of his dreams, highlighting California's romantic Spanish history and giving it the name Dias Dorados, meaning golden days. That year, he purchased an over 35-acre site off Benedict Canyon in Beverly Hills at $2,500 an acre to build his palatial mansion, one of the first, along with Harold Lloyd and James Kirkwood's homes, to go up in the Beverly Park development. It would cost $250,000 
dollars to construct the estate located at 1051 Benedict Canyon Road off Angelo Drive. Ince and his family lived on Franklin Avenue in Los Angeles before and during the construction of their new home. The property once belonged to Edson A. Benedict. Benedict purchased the canyon north of Beverly Hills in 1868 and the region still bears his name. It was within the boundaries of the original Rancho de las Aguas Spanish land grant. The estate was high up in Benedict Canyon. The residence was planned to view an inspiring panorama of the hills on one side and the gleaming Pacific on the other. In selected architect Roy Selden Price to design a hacienda resembling early Spanish mission days. He had been planning his home and collecting furnishings for it for years. It took over two years to complete and by August 1924 it was ready for Thomas Ince and his family. The primary residence had 35 rooms, 10 bathrooms, and 11 fireplaces. The architect hired between 40 and 50 Mexican laborers to create authentic tile, sculpture, carvings, paintings, and furniture demonstrating true craftsmanship. Tiles had been painted by hand in the colorful Spanish design and were incorporated in flower boxes, facing the risers of the hall stairs, baseboards, the kitchen sink, and in bathrooms. Raw iron torchiers, wall sconces, and plaques added period touches, as did antique rugs and stained glass windows representing California history lined the library. The exterior was made from adobe, and the red roof tiles were made on site. Through an arcade and large wooden door, guests entered a vast hall with a floor plan resembling the letter H, with wings at each end and a generous exterior patio. In the reception room was a large window of leaded glass encircling a butterfly in vine work. The dining room, 18 feet by 28 feet, looked out onto the canyon and the patio. This room had a large fireplace framed with roughly dressed stones and flushed with the plaster wall. Above the fireplace, was a quaint shelf carrying a ship model with concealed rose lamp that silhouettes the tracery of sails and spars against the plaster background. At the ceiling, over this, a trophy case inspired by the old Spanish food cabinets with light iron grilled doors through which gleam fine old silver plates and trophies. These grilled doors are intricate and detailed and were made, like with the other work, on site by Mexicans under the architect's direction. The interior walls of the patio cloister are painted in dark colors and Spanish characters. On cupboard doors, vegetables and various fowl are painted in brilliant colors. In the kitchen, the general woodwork is stained sage green, varnished flat. Automatic refrigerators, electric ovens, plate warmers, hoosier cabinets, and every necessary piece of equipment were compactly planned and built into the kitchen. The breakfast room had a tile floor in brilliantly shaded colors and a view of the sea, canyon, and the mountain. The dining room for the servants looked out onto the servants' patio. In the boys' study, medallions and leaded overlay picture historical highlights of early California, Cabrillo and the 49ers. The master bedroom wing included a sunken bath, steam room, a Turkish electric bathroom, and a full beauty parlor for Nell. The living room was 28 feet by 45 feet and exposed to the city, mountains, and canyon. A 15 foot by 9 foot window at the west end of this room provided a spectacular view of the canyon. On the south wall was a Spanish tapestry concealing a pipe organ chamber. The floors were hand-hewn oak. On the north wall, a small tapestry conceals a hidden door leading to a rock billiard room on a lower ground level. A rock stair leads from a door into the main hall to a 
motion picture projection room, which is part of the basement hallway. The room portrays a reproduction of old Spanish galley cocked floor, weathered woodwork, rig, sails, ship's wheels, red, green, and yellow ship lights, and tropical seas painted on the walls. A leaded glass pirate stands at the door at the far end of the room. Over this door falls the screen during the projection of the picture. Visitors descend a dark, narrow passageway illuminated by pressing a button at the entrance. Pulling a core near the pirate unrolled a white canvas screen in front of it. Another room contained autographs of famous people like Presidents George Washington, Thomas Jefferson and Andrew Jackson, Benjamin Franklin, and others like Edgar Allan Poe, Marie Antoinette, and Mark Twain on the walls. The exterior and grounds were designed by Edward Huntsman Trout and were equally elaborate. The home featured fire protection and an independent water supply and water softening system. Up to 300 avocado trees and an equal number of persimmons filled the orchard, and there was a walnut grove and vegetable garden giving Diaz Dorados the resources of a ranch fitting for the father of western films. The vast estate contained fountains, a bowling green, tennis courts, a garage, stables, a barn, a working smithy, a caretaker's house, kennels, a duck pond, a pigeon tower, a chicken range, an orange grove, avocado orchard, walnut trees, and rose garden. What appeared to be a swimming pool was a pond with an actual sandy ocean beach. At one end were private dressing rooms, while the other featured beach was shaded chairs, palms, and gym equipment. But Thomas Ince would not get to enjoy his brand new custom estate very long. On Saturday, November 15, 1924, William Randolph Hearst visited Ince at Diaz Dorados. The two had been negotiating a deal under which Hearst's Cosmopolitan Productions would use Ince's studio. Hearst then invited Ince for a weekend cruise on his yacht to honor Ince's birthday and to work out the details of their deal. Later that evening, Ince took a train to San Diego, where he joined the guests the following morning. It's not clear what the group did during the day, but a special dinner was held that Sunday night in honor of Ince's 44th birthday. Later that evening, reports indicate that Ince suffered an acute bout of indigestion due to his consumption of salted almonds and champagne. Ince had peptic ulcers and heart issues in the past and was advised to avoid consuming certain foods and beverages. That evening, Ince was taken to Del Mar, put in a hotel, and given medical treatment by a doctor and nurse. Ince summoned his wife and Dr. Ida Cow in Glasgow, his personal physician, to Del Mar with his eldest son, William, accompanying them. That night, the group traveled back to Los Angeles to their home at Diaz Dorados. Ince had been unconscious throughout the night, but regained consciousness in the early morning. He reportedly smiled at his wife, tried to speak, and died. It was Wednesday, November 19th, when Thomas Ince died in his bed, surrounded by his wife, children, and two brothers. Nell told reporters that her husband had had been treated for chest pains caused by angina, and Dr. Glasgow signed the death certificate citing heart failure as the cause of death. Reports cited the filmmaker's sudden demise as heart failure, along with ailments from a car accident two years prior. The San Diego District Attorney investigated, but announced that Ince's death was caused by heart failure, and no further investigation was necessary. Ince and his wife were practicing theosophists who preferred cremation and had arranged for it long before his death. 
but immediately after his death rumors swirled indicating his death was suspicious several conflicting stories began to circulate about the incident frequently revolving around the claim that hearst shot ants in the head after mistaking him for charlie chaplin chaplin's valet tarachi kono claimed to have seen ants when he came ashore via stretcher in san diego kono told his wife that ants's head was bleeding from a bullet wound the story quickly spread among japanese domestic workers throughout beverly hills charles letterer the nephew of hearst's longtime partner marion davies also told a similar story to peter bogdanovich the director of the cat's meow on the yacht that fateful night was british novelist and scriptwriter eleanor glynn she told silent film actress and the wife of filmmaker king vidor eleanor boardman that everyone aboard had been sworn to secrecy about the events indicating there was something more sinister during ince's funeral his casket remained open for one hour to afford friends and students studio employees to pass for one last glimpse of the man they loved and respected there was never a mention of a bullet wound by attendees ince's body was cremated on november twenty first in hollywood forever cemetery and the ashes were returned to his family on december twenty fourth nineteen twenty four who reportedly scattered them at sea nell and her children lived at dias dorados for another few years portions of the estate were still incomplete and under construction when her husband died while rumors prevailed that nell suddenly departed the country after her husband's death she left for europe about seven months later in july nineteen twenty five carl lemley founded universal pictures in nineteen twelve as part of his campaign against the then dominant film industry which lemley called the film octopus to make his films lemley was willing to violate the law he was personally sued two hundred and eighty nine times for intellectual property violations due to the restrictions in place by the mainstream film industry of the day when ince and lemley were up and coming directors the film industry held all of the essential patents on film equipment and sued anyone who dared to make films without their permission they litigated to try and weaken the threat from filmmakers like lemley who brought to america radical ideas like the feature film something longer than twenty minutes credits for actors and other innovations such as the chase sequence lemley purchased the house and the land for six hundred and fifty thousand dollars with two hundred fifty thousand dollars in cash and the rest notes taking possession of the home and the entire furnishings on february twenty second 1927. During the 1927 transaction, three and a half acres of land were set aside for silent film actor Harold Lloyd, who purchased the land for nearly $40,000 to add to the land of his estate next door. Lumley renamed the estate Casa Grande del Monte and moved in with his adult children, Carl Jr. and Rosabel. His daughter, Rosabel, married businessman Stanley Bergeron in the gardens on February 2, 1929. Carl Lemley died in September 1939 at the age of 72, and his estate went to his children. In July 1942, attorneys for the Lemley estate and neighboring Harold Lloyd attempted to reduce their property taxes. They claimed Hollywood mansions have no market because of increased income taxes, making it impossible for owners to earn enough to maintain them. 
In April 1943, Lemley's children allowed the home to serve as a rest home for wounded soldiers after moving out. The estate closed for several years after World War II, but the family reopened it in September 1949 for a fundraiser for the Organization of Rehabilitation through training. But the taxes and maintenance cost alone was likely the primary reason the family sought to get rid of the place. It took years for the estate to sell off the property. The city of Beverly Hills purchased nine and a half acres in 1951 to establish a school, and finally, in 1955, the remaining land was sold to investor Sadie Gildred. Eventually, the homes and the outbuildings were demolished, and the land was subdivided. In the late 1960s, the home was completely demolished. The original address of Diaz Dorados was 1051 Benedict Canyon. The parcels have now been renumbered as 1235, 1245, 1255, 1265, and 1275 from the old subdivided plot. A veil of controversy will always cover the details surrounding Thomas Ince's death. We know that Thomas Ince and the friends he partied with on that fateful night were some of the most powerful men in the world at the time. Whatever happened on that yacht, a bout of indigestion or a blatant cover-up will never be known. Years later, Ince's son William became a physician and stated he believed his father's death resembled thrombosis, indicating the father of Westerns died from a medical ailment and natural causes. It's interesting to note that Thomas Ince and Carl Lemley's paths crossed many times, initially working together and later as rival filmmakers. The relationship between the two men was never clear, but Lemley had the opportunity and took Ince's dream estate just years after his rival's demise. But now, the estate and anything from it are long gone. All that exists are photos, memories, and the legend of a man who changed Hollywood but didn't live long enough to enjoy the fruits of his labor. Thank you for listening to Nightmare Houses. For more information, including photos and references, please visit www.nightmarehouses.com. Until next time, goodbye.